Hello, OT amplifiers, and welcome to this episode of the Amplify OT podcast. This episode is a little bit different because I am interviewing the individuals who are running for president-elect of AOTA and vice president of AOTA. These are elected board positions for AOTA, and elections are opening on February 2nd of 2024 and close on February 23rd of 2024. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started. First things first, the show notes. We have links to the sample ballot and to the elections page where you can log in to participate in AOTA's elections. Secondly, I have listed the full-length bios of the individuals who are in this recording. Because there were so many candidates and they had such fantastic things to say, we have actually broken up these interviews into three separate podcast episodes. Two episodes are dedicated to president-elect, and one episode is dedicated to the vice president. Now, I do want to make it super clear that there is absolutely no rhyme or reason as to why certain folks were grouped together or what order they appear in. I also want to make sure it's clear that I, myself, and Amplify OT are not endorsing any specific candidate. I think all of them have such an interesting perspective to bring to the position, and it's really going to be a tough choice. So I encourage you to listen to all the different interviews and hear the different perspectives, but also hear where they overlap in mission. For AOTA president-elect interviews, you will be hearing from Karen Sames, Michael Pizzi, Vikram Pagpatten, and Arame Amverzad. For vice president, you will hear from Natalie Chang-Wright and Christina Reyes. And I just want to say that I am so grateful that all of them agreed to participate in this project and that they are willing to put forward their time to support our profession for the better. The show notes will contain timestamps for each interview. So if you want to skip forward to a specific interview, you can do that by looking at the show notes. I have also uploaded each interview individually to YouTube, so you can also look at their interviews there, or you can share that specific interview, especially if you're looking to endorse your own specific candidate. There are numerous reasons to participate in this election, not only because we're voting for president-elect and the vice president, but there are also four individuals running for open positions on the board of directors. Now, unfortunately, many of these positions run unopposed. And while it's fantastic to see individuals who are getting involved and are willing to serve our profession, it's always great to have a choice. It's also unfortunate that for some positions, there were no nominations received, such as the mental health special interest section chairperson, the home and community health special interest section chairperson, and the OTA representative elect to the representative assembly. Unfortunately, there were no RA nominations received in Alabama, Connecticut, Georgia, Illinois, Kansas, Maryland, Montana, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Ohio, Oregon, Rhode Island, and Wisconsin. So if you live in any of those states and you're an AOTA member, I highly encourage you to consider running for the representative assembly so that you can represent the interests and beliefs of your state. A few years ago, AOTA put out statistics saying that on average, only 4% of AOTA members vote in AOTA elections. We need to make that change. You deserve to have your voice heard and you should participate in these elections just like you do in any other local or national election. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into these interviews and I can't wait to hear your perspectives. Hi, I'm Clarice Grody and welcome to the Amplify OT podcast. I'm an occupational therapist by trade and a policy wonk by choice. This podcast is here to help you survive and thrive in the U.S. healthcare system through a better understanding of policy, advocacy, and value-based care. So let's dive in. 
I'm excited to bring you this next interview with Karen Sames. Karen Sames is a author and professor emerita in the graduate programs in the occupational therapy in the Henrietta Schmoll School of Health at St. Catherine University. Dr. Sames has served in multiple leadership positions in the American Occupational Therapy Association and the Minnesota Occupational Therapy Association, including three terms as the MOTA president. She was the longtime chair of the Governmental Affairs Committee for MOTA, a committee she has served on in various different capacities and continuously since 1988. Dr. Sames has served as treasurer of AOTA and is a member of the AOTA roster of fellows. In addition, she has served AOTA as nominations chair, a member of the Volunteer Leadership Development Committee, or VLDC, and vice chair of Affiliated States Association Presidents, or ASAP. She is the author of Documenting Occupational Therapy Practice, 3rd Edition, as well as chapters on documentation in the latest edition of Willard and Spackman's Occupational Therapy and the Occupational Therapy Manager. She has given numerous local, national, and international workshops and presentations on documentation, interprofessional education, and accessibility. So without further ado, here's Karen. Well, welcome, Karen, to the Amplify OT podcast. I'm so excited that you agreed to this interview today. I'm very excited about it. I'm happy to be here. So I read your bio just before this, and you have done a lot of really impressive things. But what's clear is that you have really dedicated your career to advocacy. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. As being in that advocacy chair or the president for the Minnesota OT Association, what are some of the things that you've done with that state association? Well, probably the biggest thing that I've done is spearhead the effort to move our licensure out of our Department of Health and into its own board of OT practice. Oh, wow. That was a huge thing for our OT association, for the Minnesota OT Association. We were very unhappy with the way that the Department of Health was regulating our profession. And I should say that PT and many other professions all have their own boards in Minnesota, but OT and speech, mortuary science, and a couple others were <laughs> regulated by the Department of Health. Some of the issues we had with the Department of Health was whenever they had excess funds from licensure fees they would take a big chunk of it and put it toward renting office space for smoking cessation programs and things like that. And that money was supposed to be dedicated to our licensure and, and they could have reduced fees or something if they were collecting excess. So we were unhappy about that. We were unhappy about their slowness in, in following up on complaints. And we would get reports, and there was an allegation of sexual abuse against mm. an OT practitioner that they sat on for 11 years and allowed that person to continue to practice. Oh, wow. Now, that person may have been innocent. You know, we don't know because the investigation was never really done. But it seems to me that when something that serious comes up, you got to respond faster. Yes. So for that reason, and, and then there were some other reasons as well, we really wanted our own board. And we were told by our lobbyists that attitude of the legislature was, no, you know, we don't want to 
create more state agencies. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to spend the money having your own board. It's going to be more expensive, blah, blah, blah. And we said, we're going to go for it anyway. And we got the bill drafted. We arranged an OT day at the Capitol. I, I chaired that committee as well. And uh, we got over 200 participants to come to the Capitol and talk to their legislators about uh, why we needed to get out of the Department of Health, why we needed our own board. And it passed. It passed that first year. It was not a three-year process. We were lucky in some ways that our OT day at the Capitol happened the day before the hearing. (laughs) We had no way of knowing that that was going to work out so well, but it was obviously fresh in everybody's mind. And so it passed through committee, went through three different committees, passed and became law. And so we got our own board. So to me, that was the biggest legislative win. We've had some others. We used to have to jump through a bunch of extra hoops to be able to do physical agent modalities. We were able to get that removed from our licensure law years before. And now we're working on the licensure compact and we're, we're hopeful that we can get a hearing this year and get that passed. I feel like if you can create a whole new division for the licensure board, then I, I think you can get the licensure compact passed, hopefully, as well. <laughs> That's definitely a so. big achievement. That is not an easy undertaking. And I think that's right. The lesson from advocacy always is that it's going to be hard, but if we don't try, we'll never make progress. Correct. That's all you can do is try. That's right. Exactly. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. Um, and I think that's really fantastic and could be a whole other podcast episode to talk about that. But you are here today because you are running for president-elect of AOTA, correct? Yep. And there are four other candidates, so I would love to know why, or three other candidates, why are you running for president-elect or president of AOTA, and why now? Why now is the the really interesting part of that (laughs) question. I was AOTA treasurer, and when my term was up, I really thought I would run for president, but I got cancer. I actually got three cancers, three different types of blood cancer. And and at that point decided I can't run. I need to put Mm -hmm. my energy into healing. And I went through chemo, went through stem cell transplant. And now two years later, I feel pretty strong and back to normal and, and ready to get going again. And I wondered if I had missed my chance, you know, if that three years ago, was that my one shot at being president? And now I've been gone too long, you know, three years since I've been on the board, four years. But someone I served on the board of directors with called me and said, Karen, we could really use your leadership on the board. The association could use your calm, steady hand. Would you consider running for president? And so I thought, well, maybe maybe I can, maybe I haven't missed my chance. So so here I am, excited about the possibility of taking leadership of the association that I have given so many years of my professional life to. I think that's always amazing. I think many of our stories of how we got involved in something starts with a phone call or an ask from someone we know who encourages us to do something that we're a little hesitant to do or didn't think that would be a good fit. And so I I love that that's the story for this as well. It's one of those things that you kind of 
toss around in your head, but it, it just takes that person to say, you'd be good at this to get you to take that step. Yeah. Someone to get you out of your own head, right? We tell ourselves all sorts of stories. And so it's nice when we have someone to kind of set the story straight for us. Right. So what would be your day one priorities as AOTA president? You know, when we have people running for our president of the United States, they always have kind of their day one priorities, things they'd want to accomplish right away. So what would be kind of some of your day one priorities? The AOTA president-elect and and then president doesn't have the same kind of authority that the <laughs> U.S. president has. We can't, you know, write presidential orders and and have them go through. So, so it's a little different. <laughs> but one of the the top priorities has to be building relationships with the board, building relationships with related organizations, looking for opportunities for collaboration. I think we, you know, one of the first things I would do would be to reach out to ACOT, to NBCOT, to AOTF, Society for Study of Occupation USA, SSO USA, just to see where there might be some opportunities for collaboration that would help OT practitioners get better reimbursement for their services. Right. And then I'd reach out to advocacy groups like NAMI, like the Brain Injury Association, AARP, perhaps, uh, other advocacy groups to say, here are some of the things that are important to OT, and we could really use your help in advocating for this from the consumer side, that, you know, it it can't just come from us. So I want to borrow your terms, amplify (laughs) OT and get more voices out there advocating for OT in particular around reimbursement and mm-hmm. getting us paid for the work that we do. I know I can speak to Minnesota, but I suspect other states have similar issues uh, around reimbursement for mental health. Right. And in Minnesota, we have really decent reimbursement for OT services on the physical health side. Mm-hmm. We bill using CPT codes and, and we get paid. You know, it's not, not great <laughs> reimbursement, but we get something. Yeah. But on the mental health side, we aren't allowed to bill using our CPT codes. Minnesota reimburses mental health, behavioral health, substance use services under a different system, and they don't allow us to use our codes. And so we don't get much business in in that realm. And we want to be there. We have so many shortages of mental health providers but the system is blocking us. And, and I suspect there are other states that have similar problems. So really wanting to, to work on that. I also really want to see AOTA do more to support independent practitioners, entrepreneurs. And in the last year, I've seen AOTA really step up their game in entrepreneurship. I want us to keep doing that and to do more if we can. I want to make sure, for example, that OT is in primary care. Yeah. Um, It's a great place for OT to practice. I can see a clear role for us, but I'm concerned that with the advent of artificial intelligence in medicine in particular, that if we aren't in there now, 
then when AI produces their algorithms and, and tells the physicians what to order, OT won't be ordered. So we have yeah. got to get in there now so that we're in the system going forward. I think that's a great perspective. I hadn't even thought about that. That Yes, you're right. The automatic you know, generated orders or how they're kind of progressing with those things. I think that's a really great perspective and thought and something that I agree. As we look at technology advancing, we want to be ahead of it, not behind it. And that's a hard thing to do. It is. We can do it. We need resources. Yes, absolutely. So it sounds like from some of the priorities, is it fair to say that you, in your opinion, believe one of the primary roles and missions of AOTA is connections? So building those bridges for occupational therapy and then also advocacy around reimbursement. Yeah. And I would say the the third probably prong would be education, the continuing ed, and that we continue to be hopefully the preferred provider of continuing ed for OT practitioners that we want to be one of the first places they look. And why do you think those three things are the most important over? Because I mean, AOTA, right, serves so many purposes with occupational therapy. And sometimes I say that it's not that AOTA is not doing enough. It's almost that they do so much that it's hard to know what all is going on. So out of everything that AOTA does, how come you pick those three as what you would want to focus on or is what you think the role of AOTA should be? My heart's in advocacy. Mm -hmm. AOTA has great people working on advocacy right now. I think what we need to do is help those people out with more grassroots support. Yeah for advocacy. So we need to do more outreach to our members to get them involved, to really push through some important legislation to, like I said, increase our reimbursement and get practitioners out there and getting paid for what they do. Absolutely. I think every practitioner and OT practitioner out there can agree that they would like to definitely get paid for what they do and hopefully see an increase in reimbursement. That's definitely been a struggle over the last few years. Now, I think I know the answer to this question, but do you believe that membership in AOTA is important? Oh, membership is absolutely critical. <laughs> we can't do the things that, that we want to do without members. They're our lifeblood. So certainly member recruitment is a thing. I know that you know we've seen a, a decline in membership, and that's really unfortunate. And I you know, I've heard people say things like, well, APTA does such a good job with mm -hmm. informing their members. I just follow what, what the PTs tell me. Well, that's horrible. <laughs> Sorry, it's just horrible. <laughs> we need people to turn to AOTA. And so we need to do some outreach to people who used to be members and aren't people who've never been members, at least not since they were students, because I think we do a great job with student membership. Yeah. But we sometimes lose them. And I know AOTA has already tried some strategies to try and keep them. We need to keep trying. I think it's sort of a mutual thing. If, if people see AOTA have successes, they're more likely to join. Yes. But if, if they don't join, how can we have successes? So- <laughs> So the membership and the services AOTA provides go hand in hand. I, as someone who runs my own membership, I completely agree that yes, what you're able to do greatly depends on the number of members and at times also the revenue that then comes from that. 
So how come you are an AOTA member? What has kept you a member over all the years of your profession or of all your practice? You know, I think for me, it's always just been a sense of responsibility that I'm an OT and AOTA is right now the only big organization advocating for OT. You know, on a national level, AOTA has been a terrific resource. I don't honestly know how people can practice and not be members, (laughs) how they think they're staying current if they're not members. As an educator, we always tried to instill in our students how important membership is Mm -hmm. for staying current. And you've got EBP resources and you've got reimbursement resources. You've got a place to go when you hit a wall. Yeah. I'm hopeful that message is getting through on many college campuses and hopeful that this next generation will will value membership and want to be a part of this organization that's working on their behalf. I love to hear that. You know, I'm a big fan of AOTA and myself, and so I think that's very important. Now, we've kind of touched on this a little bit already. But the last workforce study done by AOTA showed that 25% of practitioners are considering leaving the field of occupational therapy. And there is also a 7% drop in membership this year with AOTA. Do you think that these two issues are related? And how do you think we should address this problem? Yeah, I think they're related. I think, you know, if you leave, people leave the profession, they're going to leave the association. So. So I think they're related. It is really disheartening to hear 25% are contemplating leaving the profession. Although, you know, we've been through this before. We went through a big drop in membership. We lots of people leaving the profession back in 1998, 99, 2000, mm-hmm. when Medicare reimbursement changed and the profession took a big hit. And we've come back from that. So. So some of it is cyclical, right? The pendulum kind of swings in both directions. But OT is not alone in seeing people contemplate leaving. They, mm-hmm. A lot of the health professions are seeing that, nursing, physicians. People are unhappy right now with yeah. healthcare reimbursement. So, you know, the, the pressure for productivity is gotten to be you know, ridiculous in some instances, unattainable. The more we can do to help practitioners, we can't tell employers what to do, right? but we can sure tackle it from an ethical standpoint. We can encourage practitioners to be more you know, efficient, give them tools. We can help practitioners learn to advocate for themselves Mm -hmm. in those situations. And we can collaborate with other organizations in trying to shift the system, to push the system so that it's not so heavily dependent on productivity. Right. And then we need to help practitioners see that there are opportunities to practice OT in non-medical settings. And not depend on Medicare, Medicaid. There are other places we can work, other ways we can be of service. 
Absolutely. I think our skill sets as occupational therapy practitioners is so broad yet comprehensive that I think there's a lot of opportunities. And what you said there of, especially around the productivity issue, right, which is one thing that we know is definitely a major problem and cause of burnout around that, you know, when you stated earlier around getting more folks involved in grassroots advocacy, around focusing on connection and community building, I think that falls in line, right, with that productivity issue. A lot of these issues that we're seeing in the workforce come down to the individual practitioners that are affected and engaging in that grassroots advocacy where we're coming from the bottom up. That's where that supports, right, the grass tops, which would be AOTA Mm -hmm. um, and how we can collaborate. So it seems the message seems to be continuous throughout. Absolutely. Everything is connected, right? Yes. <laughs> like we were saying, the world of OT is, is small. And so everything kind of feeds into something else, especially in healthcare. And again, I would like to see us expand beyond healthcare. Yeah. You know, some people see us as the best kept secret in healthcare. Well, no, first of all, we shouldn't be secret. We need, we need more people to know what OT is and what OT does. And then I think more doors will open, more places will want to hire people with our skill set. OT is a way of thinking. When you get trained as an OT, you start seeing the world a little differently and, and you never lose that lens. So, you know, I'd love to see more OTs in policymaking positions. There should be more OTs working in insurance companies and state government. OTs working for tech companies, you know, OTs designing toys. Yeah. I can't imagine an employer who wouldn't want someone with the skill set of an OT. I agree. I completely agree. So what advice would you give to someone who may be interested in volunteering or taking on a leadership role, like running for AOTA board or for their state association? I'd say definitely start at your state association. I mean, that was where I got my start, and it was such a great learning experience. Think global, act local is the, the saying that I hear. And so starting with your state association, get involved in advocacy, learning how to get legislation introduced and enacted at the state level really helps in understanding it at the national level. And as, as an individual, I think you can have more influence at the state level. Mm-hmm. So get it involved that way. You know, start small. Start volunteering to review submissions for your state conference or for the AOTA conference. Start as a conference reviewer. Volunteer to be on a conference committee. Volunteer to help out with the state OT day at the Capitol. Mm -hmm. Uh, events. Get involved writing letters. Just take a baby step. Every single thing helps. Yeah, It helps the organization. It helps the profession. So start small and work your way up. Try a leadership role. Try chairing a committee. Try being vice president, president, and get that experience. It's fun. You meet people. My years as state president of Minnesota, I made friends in all 50 states, mm. you know, just getting to know other people and sharing ideas. And that was a fabulous experience. Yeah, I, I love that. And that's 
the same. That's where I started too, right? Was getting involved in my state association. That was a big part of learning the advocacy process and how it works. And it's been interesting starting over in a new state, learning how the legislative process works here compared to how it worked in Missouri. There are similarities, but there are definitely differences from state to state. (laughs) Some pretty significant differences. So it's always interesting how those work. Well, to wrap things up, of course, I think this is an obvious question. Why should someone vote for you, Karen? Well, I think people should vote for me because I am a proven leader. Years and years of leadership experience. I am calm. I am thoughtful. I'm a very good listener. I want to hear what other people have to say and incorporate that in. I love this profession, and I have since third grade (laughs) when I first learned about OT. And I have thoroughly enjoyed being an OT. So if you want someone who loves the profession, is dedicated to the profession, is a collaborator, a team builder, someone who's respectful, then you'll vote for me. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Karen. I really appreciate your time. And I'm sure all of the OT Amplifier community is happy to hear from you as well. So thank you so much for running for AOTA president-elect. It's nice to see some competition this year. Yeah, it really is. I I think that's a good sign. and, And thank you so much for doing this to offer these podcasts to your listeners. I hope everybody goes out and votes. Yes, go out and vote. Especially for me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Got to throw a little self-promotion there at the end. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Karen. All right. Thank you, Clarice. Are you ready to take your occupational therapy practice to the next level? Then look no further than the Amplify OT membership. You heard that right. Amplify OT has its very own membership program. This membership is designed to help occupational therapy practitioners just like you stay informed about the latest developments in Medicare and advocacy. You will have exclusive access to resources, webinars, the Mastering OT Policy and Medicare course, Q&A sessions, plus the ability to DM me your questions and get answers fast. But of course, that is not all. As a member, you'll be part of a community of like-minded occupational therapy practitioners who share their expertise and offer support. So by joining the Amplify OT membership, you'll be able to stay up to date on the latest Medicare regulations and guidelines, learn how to advocate for your patients and your profession, connect with other OT practitioners and students to share your knowledge, and you'll have access to those exclusive resources and webinars so you can reach your full potential as an OT provider. So don't miss out on this opportunity to take your practice to the next level. Sign up for the Amplify OT membership today by going to the link in the show notes or amplifyot.com forward slash membership. Don't forget to stay informed and be the change that you want to see in our healthcare system. Our next interview is with Dr. Arame Anverazadeh. She's an innovative leader and associate professor of clinical occupational therapy at the USC Mrs. T.H. Chan Division of Occupational Science and Occupational Therapy. As the former director of admissions, she implemented a holistic admissions process, resulting in the most diverse cohorts in USC Chan's history. Dr. Anverazade is a trailblazer, serving as the youngest and first Black and Iranian woman to be vice president of AOTA, and the first Black and Iranian woman to be inducted into the prestigious roster of fellows, or FAOTA. She is aiming to make history again by running for AOTA president, 
Dr. Anverazadeh is a founding member and former chair of the Coalition of Occupational Therapy Advocates for Diversity, or COTAD. She spearheaded initiatives for justice, equity, diversion, inclusion, anti-racism, and anti-oppression. As a prolific author and speaker, she has contributed significantly to the field, emphasizing the importance of inclusion and empowerment. Dr. Anverazadeh is committed to building sustainable, healthy, diverse communities and continues to inspire others to reach their maximum potential. So without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Anverazadeh. Welcome, Arame. Thank you so much for being part of this project. It's historic, I feel like, to have four people running for president-elect, and I'm so excited that I'm here to talk to you and that I can bring your voice to uh, all the folks here in the Amplifier community. Yes, yes. Hello, hello. Thank you for inviting me to the Amplifier community. (laughs) And I'm excited. I'm excited to talk, and I'm excited that there are uh, multiple people on on the slate so that everyone can hear and and listen and learn and perspectives and all the things. So let's do this. Yeah, it's been great. And so I always like to start with a little bit of background. But we talked briefly before this that, you know, you have quite the extensive background of being the current <laughs> VP of AOTA, founder of COTAD or co-founder. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, my God. What? How what about myself? Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am an occupational therapist now of 17, 18 years. I don't even know. Um, I'm a lover of occupation and an ambassador for what we do. I am an Angelino. I am a lefty Leo. I (laughs) I am a mother of two. My main occupation right now is breastfeeding. Where all are my breastfeeders at? I am a mobilizer. I am an organizer. I am a believer in change. I am a doer. And that is the crux. That is the foundation of occupation, right? We do. We become. And so I believe that in all the spaces that I occupy, I should do and become. And so I am a person who is a gate opener. That is a little bit about myself. I don't know. I could go on and on and on. That's perfect. (laughs) That's quite the occupational profile, right? Is what they say. (laughs) I can go on, but you know, I don't know how much you want me to brag. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, but it's a a hard question to ask because I have so many um, parts of who I am that make me who I am. So many intersectionalities that make me who I am. So many stories and, and narratives that make me who I am and lived experiences that it's hard to pull. But I am a lover of occupation and a lover of people. Perfect. So why are you running for AOCA president and why right now? Yeah, listen, I'm running because it's time for a change. I'm running because we need to steer this ship upwards. I am running because there is so much opportunity for this time of transition, right? There's opportunity. Like, I really legit feel like this is the most important election in years, right? You're voting for a president. You're voting for a vice president. You have a new executive director coming in. That leadership shift is one that will be um, creating the tide of where we're, the direction that we're going, right? And so we need somebody in there that is visionary, not only that has vision, but understands how to execute that vision, right? And so we know somebody who's prepared to do this work because, you know, what I've done for my 17, 18 years of being in this field is volunteer leadership and volunteer service, right? I've given of myself mm-hmm. my entire career. And also there's so much opportunity right now with 
renewing and reboosting and, and shifting and changing our, our mission, our vision, our strategic plan. Hello. Like I was literally talking about our mission and I read it to some. I was like, first of all, do you know our mission? Like even Clarice, do you know our mission by heart? No, I'll be honest. I, I do not. <laughs> how are we inspired by that? You know, how are we identifying who we are through that? How are we guiding the actions of the association by that? Right. And like, when you look at our vision, like, how are we like, it's vision 20, 2025 is about to be here. That's so there's, true. you know, like 24, when you blink 25 is here. So like, what are we envisioning for the future of who we are? Like, you know, and currently our mission and vision, like what are the action steps that help us accomplish it? What are the ways of holding each other accountable by not accomplishing it, right? So you need somebody asking these questions to get us aligned in thinking about the future, right? And then our strategic plan, like we need a strategic plan. Like Clarice, you should be able to go on the website. You should be able to access it, see it, understand it, digest it, see what the priorities are of the association, which helps drive the profession, right? So Mm -hmm. that's not really there. And you need somebody who like really believes in this type of transparency, right? Who is a voice for the people. I am that person. And so I believe that I have the stamina, I have the tenacity, I have the vision, I have the the dedication, I have all the things. And more importantly, why now is because it is time for all the change to happen based on all of these things I just shared. Um, You need somebody to take us there. I'm excited and I want to continue serving our community. I want to continue serving our students, our occupational scientists, our occupational therapy practitioners from OTs to OTAs. And so that's just a constant thread of who I am. I definitely agree with you where you can feel that shift. And you're right. There is a lot of change in leadership that's coming up, including the executive director. And I feel like you can really feel that even within our larger you know, community, United States, and within our OT profession of how you can kind of feel, you can feel there's an unease of where are we going to go? What's going yeah. to be next? And so I think when you're talking about making those improvements, I'd love to hear kind of, if you could be like the president of the United States, if you were the executive and could issue orders, what would be like your day one priorities for AOTA as the next president? This is a good question because you're asking particularly, and I think people get these things confused sometimes when they think about it. You're particularly asking about the association. Mm-hmm. And I think people want to see like, what are those day one priorities for the profession? It does connect. But like I could say, you know, we need to be a household name. We need to be, you know, but that's for the profession, right? Mm-hmm. We need to have these campaigns and be OT champions. That's for the profession, right? And we need to make sure that we're visible and we're viable. That's for the profession. You're asking about the day one for the association, Mm -hmm. for AOTA. And I believe the reason why we have so many people who are disconnected is because there's a lack of transparency. And when I talk about lack of transparency, I want to be very clear what I mean. I mean, there's a lack of transparency in how governance is is done. Mm -hmm. There's a lack of transparency and unclarity on how the bylaws are implemented and when they are implemented. There is a culture right now that can feel like there's a lack of belonging, right? There is a decrease in membership and you have to ask why, you know? And so it all goes back to this idea of what building trust looks like, right? Yesterday was the president-elect conversation. I shouldn't have had to dig through link, through link, through link, through link to that centered in the, you know, it's an Mm -hmm. important election on the website. Or how about we have people like you who are entrepreneurs, right? How do we lean into that? So like, we just don't have, I'm just talking about 
the website for some stock photos, <laughs> you know, like show the people doing the occupations. And more mm. importantly, we must, we must highlight the staff doing the incredible work. You are a fieldwork coordinator, a fieldwork student with Heather Parsons, mm-hmm. like her and her team and the regulatory and government affairs team are doing some legit work. Oh, that yeah. should be blasted so people understand our membership value, our consumer value, what we do at the Hill, what we're doing for you, advocating, but we don't, right? So this lack of transparency, this lack of knowledge, this lack of clarity in how bylaws are done, this strategic plan that doesn't really show the priorities of getting us aligned and in an order where staff, board, and members know the priorities, this is what disconnects us, right? Yeah. And it all boils down to transparency and, and clarity, but so for me, you need a president that has this vision that understands what's disconnecting us and bring us back together. Isn't that what OT is? It's the doing, <laughs> it's the coming, it's the belonging, it's connection, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, day one priorities for that is to shift that culture so that we can start reconnecting again and falling in love, falling back and remembering why we fell in love with this profession. Because yeah. when, you, when you get that in order, then baby, <laughs> you can move mountains and we can get in order with how what we want to tell the masses about who we are. Yeah. People don't also understand, like you asked about the United States. I feel like oftentimes people don't even understand how like governance is in the United States, let alone in AOTA. Right? <laughs> I can, yes, I can testify to that. That Yes. I, that's one thing I teach in my courses is Let's go ahead and review the three branches of government before we go into the next step. <laughs> you know, like I think people think AOT is all this, but we're really mm-hmm. this, right? And so we have to re-educate people on like what we do, what we don't do, but also like what AOT is for. And I think that a lot of times people think like the board is like, it's, it's we're volunteer leaders. And so I feel like teams like the VLDC, uh, Rebecca's governance team, like wonderful, wonderful leaders. But also they are doing some wonderful work in like creating onboarding processes. Yeah. And I was saying this, like you could be a volunteer leader and maybe year one, you're like year two, finally year three, you're like, oh, this is what my role is. This is what I'm <laughs> doing. Where was my onboarding? Where was my mentorship? And by that time, it's like your time is up, you know, mm-hmm. so you're constantly like, so we like get people onboarded, get us going, get us a motion, get us aligned. Can you imagine um, the diversity and thinkers and representation that's at the table if we just kind of have this kind of space of alignment? So things I would love to do. It's a lot of priority. Yeah, no. And I think that really translates well into our next question of, in your opinion, what do you believe is the primary role and mission of AOTA in that bigger bubble of our profession? We are we are keeping our profession alive. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> without AOTA, it's like our profession can literally like, you know, mm-hmm. which is why membership is so important, right? We have the people like the regulatory and government affairs advocating on behalf of us daily, day in and day out on state and national levels to ensure that we are a reimbursable profession, to ensure that we are viable, to ensure that we are sustainable. So like AOT's role is really being the voice for who we are and to make sure that no one encroaches on that to make sure that we are advocates, to make sure that we are champions. And I feel like we need to steer ourselves to remember the purpose of what AOTA is serving us as, as, as a profession. And I want to be very clear that we are membership-based. We cannot forget the members, you know? <laughs> like, we can't run as a Inc., AOTA Inc., without bringing in the voices of the members, 
without hearing the voices of the members, right? Our role is also to serve our members, right? And so our members are so critical and important and our members are diverse. Our members' voices, uh, diverse voices should be included and should be heard. And so once you can bring that to the table, then we become stronger and we need to become stronger to position ourselves to be a force in not just the healthcare profession, but just to be a force, right? Yeah. Like people should know OT. I agree. (laughs) And so I go back to what I said before, like we have the opportunity to reboot our Mm -hmm. mission. You know, like you said, you didn't know, you don't know our mission by, by heart, but I I do. (laughs) And, And really it is about advancing OT. This is what it is. Advancing OT practice, education and research through standard setting and advocacy on behalf of its members, the profession and the public. When I read that, I'm like, okay, cool. What does that mean? (laughs) You know, so for me, when we can come together with these diverse voices and recreate and redevelop and our mission and our vision, game time. Yeah. And I think you're leading right into all my my questions. You've already touched on this, that you believe that, that membership in AOTA is important. And I'd love for you to explain, you know, why you think it's important and maybe also what you would say to someone who does not want to be a member. It's a membership-based organization. Like being a member is your voice. I always say this in my advocate when like, because you know, I've been doing this thing for a minute. Like I started statewide. Like you gotta know your state. You gotta know, you have to understand the governance even in your state. When I was a part of OTAC leadership, which is a California association, you know, like we were part of advocacy. And we, I would tell people, like, okay, listen, if we were going to the hill and we were saying, listen, there are 10. OTs, OTAs in California, and this is what we want to do. Or we'd be like, there are, I'm just arbitrary number, hundred of thousand, you know, <laughs> you know, that we're representing, you know, we have the ear, mm-hmm. you know, we have the power and with power in, in numbers, right. And in, in togetherness, we create change. How do we duplicate that so that everyone understands their power and their voice, right? So that everyone understands our role in advocacy, so that everyone recognizes that their membership holds value. The issue is, is that we're not showing them what that value is. Based on what I said, why we're so disconnected, no one wants to be a part of a membership-based organization that doesn't even stick to their role and their priorities, right? So it's opportunity to show our members, again, their value, that, they, that we feel like they belong, but also to, re, to remind our members, which were non-members, how we can form and create community to be together and why, why having community is so important. Because we say we want to be a household name, but how are we a household name when we're all not members of an association that's keeping the lights on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? When we think about the other professions, ABA, speech, PT, you know, who's advocating, you know, we're doing it in our own spaces that we occupy, but they're doing it on the Hill. Mm -hmm. You know, so membership is critical because it gives us the power to say, this is why OT, this is why our profession is so necessary. This is why our, our profession is so important, significant. This is why, call me cheesy. I don't know, I feel like OT changes the world. I agree. You know, this is why we changed the world. And so you asked me this, like, why should people, like, like, what do I tell people about renewing their membership, right? Like, okay, I get it. I understand. Like, I understand why you could be disgruntled, especially now in this climate, right? But also, like, you can't be disgruntled if you're not at the table. Get get here. So we can start, like, I'm a believer in walking the talk, Clarice. So, like, let's get mm-hmm. here. Let's, let's walk that talk together. 
let me hear you so that we can really create change. But the thing about it, we are so status quo and we lack so much transparency that this is this is why people are like, oh, I'm going to stay away. But if we if we can rip that apart and unmask and just be real, then I do believe that people will renew, will be re-inspired and be re- reconnected. So renew. It's a time of change. It's a time of great opportunity. It's a time of electing the leaders who can lead. That's right. Yep. It's a time to get involved. And yeah, that, that old phrase, right? Of uh, If you're not at the table, you're on the menu. It's important to have your voices heard and have those two perspectives. It always takes those grassroots advocacy efforts with the grass tops advocacy efforts. Yeah. And I think people are just uninspired. So they're like, you know, I'm cool being on the menu right now because like me being <laughs> at the table, what does it matter? And so for me, it's like, we got to remind people why it's important to be at the table. Perfect. So in the last workforce uh, survey, it showed that 25% of practitioners are considering leaving the field of Mm -hmm. occupational therapy. And we also had last year that AOTA had a 7% drop in membership. Do you think these issues are related? And also, in your opinion, what is kind of the best way to address them? Yeah, I mean, that's a complicated question, right? Because leaving the field and leaving membership, they could have two different, like, it could be connected. It couldn't, it's like layers to this, right? It's no constant thing that's saying, yeah, well, obviously, if you're leaving the field, you're not going to renew your membership. Or you could be leaving the field because someone like you, you're an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You're doing something that's different. How is it reimbursable? You know, how are you <laughs> able to survive? But what are we doing as an association to say, no, 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 we need to center this. We need to elevate this. We need to show that there's different and unique and dynamic ways to still be an occupational therapist and have these skills, but do it in different ways. Like you should no longer be someone that's non-traditional. We have a grassroots organizers. We have the people who are doing things underground, like our pelvic floor crew, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they are massive, right? But like also having to figure out ways to be reimbursable. You're like, well, I love this. This is where we should be prioritizing. This is what we should be doing, but I can't, I can't live. I can't survive. So I'm going to find another niche, which is called something else because I can utilize these other skills that my own profession isn't prioritizing or isn't capitalizing on, or is it Or is it making sure that there's a lane, right? And so there's opportunity, again, with diverse voices to say, let's let's come to the table and make these lanes and make these lanes very clear so that we can do the things that we want. We can stay in this profession. We can be proud AOTA members and we can be visible. It's all about visibility. Like, how are we making someone like you and many other people who are entrepreneurs visible? And showing like, this is, this is OT. And so I do believe so that a lot of things are related and, and down to like your core values, you know, and if we feel like we've left membership, um, that the core values are no longer aligned, then people have the right to drop their membership, right? <laughs> if they are disgruntled because they don't see themselves within the association and represent it, then they can drop their membership, right? That is them mm-hmm. using their voice. And so it's about, again, how many times I have to say this, it's creating connection. It's about creating community. It's about not just saying, oh, yeah, we believe in belonging, but it's about really actually creating belonging. I'm at the table. You know, do I feel like I belong all the time? Are there incredible more barriers that I feel like I come across? Yes. Can I empathize and lean in to others who may have shared these similar stories? Yes. 
Is it something that someone should be dealing with privately and isolated and quietly and feel like they're the only ones dealing with it? No. So this is why people want to feel like I can feel the leadership. I can connect with the leadership. I can understand what they're doing and the priorities that they have. And I can see what the association, direction that association is clearly going because there's some transparency. Dang it, I really feel like they're aligned to my core values. I'm going to renew my membership. Mm -hmm. I'm going to become a member. Oh, I just graduated. Okay, I don't have to be a member anymore because I'm no longer close, a part of a pro, uh, academic program because, you know, a lot of academic programs, you know, have you be members. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, I can make my choices. No, no, no. I want the, the new grad to say, I, I'm going to be a lifelong member. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So many people are re-inspired to, to become members for this election. You know what I mean? So many people are. And so it's about re-inspiring. It's about momentum building. And it's about showing people that their membership truly matters. Yeah. Okay? It truly matters. <laughs> and without members, we can't get the work done can't get the work done, period. And the staff can't prioritize and get the work done. And so why people are leaving this profession or not joining this profession is a conversation in itself. Oh, yeah. I think we could talk for Re hours. Reinvite me, Clarice. Re <laughs> me. And so is it fair to say, if I'm picking up on a theme here, that transparency is really kind of that one of those number one objectives that is in your mind is kind of things we need to work on. So the transparency building that community and you've mentioned and the strategic vision is that kind of a fair way to kind of summarize i mean your mission yeah, but i want to be clear like i feel like people drop the word transparency because it's a cool and catchy word to drop now mm -hmm. but like it's empty you can't just be like i want to increase transparency how in what you know mm -hmm. <laughs> and i really want to be clear like in our governance how we govern this association and in our bylaws Though that's a start in making sure that people can trust the work of the organization. And secondly, it's how we communicate this. Mm. Communication, like we can do all the wonderful things, but if it's not communicated, perception will run wild, right? So we have to have transparency. And, and I'm not saying like you need to know like what shirt I'm wearing every day. Like <laughs> I'm not saying like you gotta be that transparent. You know what I mean? <laughs> But I'm saying, like, you can't bury something incredibly important in the bottom of a newsletter that can ch change the trajectory of what this association looks and feels like during the holidays and expect people not to feel away about the information that they eventually find. Yeah. And you've touched on this, you know, when you're talking about not feeling like you belong at that table or things and facing those barriers. That's a common thing that I hear from a lot of people who are in leadership positions, things that I've felt before, right? Is that not feeling like you deserve to be there or not feeling ready, that kind of imposter syndrome, right? So what- Yeah, that's different. Yeah, yeah all sorts of things. Like, so what advice would you give to someone who's interested in volunteering or taking on a leadership role? Yeah, here's the thing about imposter syndrome. Like I say, like, remove it immediately especially from my minoritized communities or my new grads or whatever, get it out of there. Because sometimes when you are at these tables, like you're not the imposter. <laughs> you're not the imposter. You're the person with heart. You're the person with actual substance behind the work that you do. You're the person who's not taking up space just because it's a title. You're the person who really wants to get down and do the work. 
there's others who you might think, oh, they they really are the ones. No, no, no. They might be the imposters, right? But it just doesn't look like it or feel like it because we're so trained to feel like we should have imposter syndrome. No, no. Mm -hmm. You belong, right? But the way the barriers are put in place and the way they make experiences for certain people versus others make you question if you belong. Cool, question it, but don't internalize it, mm -hmm. right, Clarice? And so we have to say, yeah, you know what? You need to go volunteer. Because I, when I talk to students all across this country, I say, you are at the point in your career and your life where you can say yes to opportunity. Say yes, because no one, I didn't say like, oh, you know what? I'm going to graduate. I'm going to become the president of AOTA. I knew <laughs> 17 years ago that I, and no shade to the people who do this. I knew that I didn't want to go to work and just come home and watch housewives. Mm -hmm. My point is that I always wanted to be involved, be engaged, and I wanted to serve, right? And so when I got tapped on the shoulder, I got to give a shout out to Laura Wu, who I was working for CCS and it's it's a... Uh, I was in pediatrics and she was like, hey, would you be interested in being the newsletter co-editor of our status? You know, the newsletter co-editor. Like I was like, mm -hmm. I've never been a newsletter editor to be the <laughs> co-editor. Like what is this? I said? Yes. I said, sure. Absolutely. Yes. Because there was no co-tag. There was no like space where I had my people, where I found my village. And, you know, at the time when I graduated, they didn't say, yeah, you must be involved in AOTA or OTAC. Like they didn't take me by the hand and mentor me and say, I've already been at a conference. You know, these students today have, they've been to conferences. Mm -hmm. They've done conference presentations. They've been, none of that. I had to find my way. So I said yes, because I wanted to be engaged. And then I continued to say yes and to yes and to yes and to yes and just continue to serve and continue to to lift other leaders, like up and coming leaders up with me until we're now, I'm here. And yes, as you get higher, it feels more isolated. Your village has to become tighter. You have to know who your people are, mm -hmm. you know, but that all comes with preparation. <laughs> all comes because 17 years ago, I said yes. When I, you know, and then when I got into AOTA leadership, someone said, you know, you should really consider the RA. And I was already very, you know, very much involved in OTAC. And I was like, the RA, what, what, what is that? You know, <laughs> like, and I'm, an, and I'm an involved person. Imagine somebody who's not involved. I was mm -hmm. like, you know, I became the California rep for two terms, you know, two terms representing Cali. Right. And so then I continued to branch off and get more involved in committees and task force and learning the inner workings of like what we represent and who we are, right? Mm -hmm. To where I can say and comfortably say, I am prepared because I said yes to volunteering and taking a leadership role. I didn't let fear, and I could have been like, be fearful, but that's okay. Be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like Clarice, I'm sure you didn't say two years ago, what we hear we in, maybe three now, that you were like, <laughs> I'm gonna quit my nine to five and I'm gonna start a podcast and do all these educational things and really change the trajectory. Like you didn't graduate probably and say, like, no. this is Amplify <laughs> OT, you know. But it told you you were crazy, yeah. And you gotta be so committed to your greatness and to the legacy that you wanna leave and to your and to the influence that you wanna make. To say, I'm going to do it anyway. It could be through volunteerism. It could be through entrepreneurism. It could be through grassroots, whatever thing that you do. But find the find the gap and like bridge that. And you could start with volunteer work. I think that's such an amazing commonality that so many leaders share is that. And you'll hear that throughout even the different interviews with President-elects that we're doing that 
it's always seems to start with someone who has put some belief in you and asked you to participate. That's how I've gotten involved in a number of the things that I've done. And I always think that's such a fascinating connector of that. It's that outreach that someone has kind of called on you to participate. And it's our responsibility to recognize that's a call and say yes. Yeah. Because we're so fear-based. We're so like, I don't want to get uncomfortable. We're so in our bubble that if we miss the call, you miss the trajectory, Mm -hmm. right? So say yes. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. The very last question is, of course, why should someone vote for you? Why not? No, I'm we edit that? I don't know. You can keep that in, but no, vote for me because like, I understand the climate that we're in and I recognize where we need to go. And through, you know, you could be a visionary, you could have these ideas, but you have to be able to bring people along the way to believe in that, right? To want to implement it, to believe in the mission and the vision of where you want to take this association and the profession, right? You have to have somebody, you know, who has tenacity, who has experience, but more importantly, who has been through something, right? Like, here's the thing. I say this, my two-year-old, yeah, it's cute. Like, people say you want a bold and confident leader, right? Listen, Clarice, my two-year-old is bold and confident. This boy will jump off the couch, (laughs) do a three-wheel, 360 flip, and is very bold and confident about that. Yes, you need a bold and confident leader, but you also need someone who has the stamina to get through a challenge, the tools of understanding what being an authentic leader is, and the tools of understanding how to navigate through um, struggles. Because what comes with leading are the challenges and circumstances, and we need to have the stamina to know how to pivot and strength and understand and emotional intelligence to get through, right? And so you need someone who's who's had some experience in that, right? And who wants to literally and truly create community, not just talk about it and not just use belonging because it's the word of the year, you know, (laughs) but actually like infuse it in all the things that we do. And lastly, you should vote for me because all the spaces that I occupy are spaces because I'm constantly wanting to decrease barriers and increase access for any and everybody. Um, And that's how you could connect our profession, and the people that we serve. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Arame. I really appreciate your time and good luck with your campaign. Thanks for having me. And thanks for creating the space for everyone to have a a voice. Really appreciate you and the work that you're doing. I just wish you all the success. Thank you, Clarice. Hey, it's Clarice, and I just want to say thank you to all the candidates who have participated in this year's election and in this podcast series. Make sure to listen to all three episodes in order to hear interviews from the four AOTA president candidates and the two vice president candidates. I also want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to these interviews and to be an informed voter. I sincerely hope that you vote in this year's AOTA elections, which open on February 2nd and close on February 23rd at 11.59 a.m. Eastern Time. And if you aren't an AOTA member right now, that's okay. Now is a great time to join AOTA so you can participate in future elections. Well, this year's elections definitely have a historic number of individuals running for these positions. Every single AOTA election is important and shapes the future and direction of our profession. 
So I sincerely hope that you get involved. So again, thank you so much for listening to the Amplify OT podcast. I put out a new podcast every other Tuesday. So please make sure to check back in if you want to learn more about advocacy, policy, and reimbursement. You can also access all of our blogs and podcasts for free at AmplifyOT.com, and you can join our free OT Amplifiers community at Learn.AmplifyOT.com. I really hope you'll join us, and I look forward to getting to know you. If you made it this far, I want to just take a moment to say thank you so much for listening to the Amplify OT podcast. And I hope you're feeling a little more inspired and prepared to amplify your value and the value of occupational therapy. If you found yourself at any point thinking, gosh, I guess policy isn't that dull and boring, then you're definitely going to love how we talk about policy and advocacy in the Amplify OT membership. There's a link in the show notes where you can sign up today so you can take an immediate next step towards emerging as a confident clinician. And of course, don't forget to follow the Amplify OT podcast so that way you never miss an episode. And you know, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and leave us a five-star review because that's the best way to help others find the podcast too. And of course, thank you so much to Jessica Riccio for editing this podcast and for all of you for giving me a reason to record it. You're now officially part of the OT Amplifier community and you are now prepared to go out there and advocate for OT because remember, if we don't advocate for occupational therapy, then who will?